Hello, health investor. So happy you're back here with me to learn more tips and tricks for optimal health. I am super excited for you to hear this interview with Sharon from The Mom Renovation. As you'll hear, Sharon is working towards minimalism and intentionalism, which was a new word for me, in her own life. In this episode, we talk a lot about the benefits of a minimal-ish, as she likes to call it, a minimal-ish lifestyle, all of which directly impact your overall health. I've followed Sharon on Instagram for over a year, so I knew how much value she'd bring to our conversation, but honestly, I didn't expect to learn as much as I did. I know you're going to love our chat, but first, let me quickly share an Apple podcast review. Thank you so much to NJ Jim Gal for rating the Health Investment five stars and leaving a written review as well. Written reviews give me so much feedback. I love them. NJ Jim Gal wrote, smart information that's easy to digest, LOL, love that pun there, loving this podcast. Brooke provides important health information in an easy to implement format. Makes me feel like health goals aren't insurmountable. The Holiday Eating Podcast was my favorite so far. I needed to hear that my cheese board wasn't going anywhere, haha, and I'm opting for sheep and goat options moving forward. My stomach already says thanks. Something specific NJ Jim Gal wrote really resonated with me. That this podcast makes her feel like health goals aren't insurmountable. What a huge compliment, because that's my ultimate goal. I want you to get as much value from every episode as possible. And I want getting healthy to feel doable, because it is. All right, on to my conversation with Sharon. Prepare to be inspired to adopt a minimal-ish lifestyle. Hi, I'm Brooke Simonson, certified nutrition coach and host of the Health Investment Podcast. Here's the thing. You deserve to feel amazing. But here's the other thing. There are so many confusing messages out there. Week after week, I'm going to share tips and practices that actually work for simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, because I want to help you get healthy for good without any BS. When I'm not podcasting, I work with clients one-on-one. So visit the show notes to book your free consultation. And don't forget to leave a review so that others can become trim, energized, confident, BS-busting rock stars like you. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Sharon. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It's funny. I know we were just talking a little bit off air that we both feel like we know each other through Instagram. It's funny how that works, but it's true. I know it's exciting to have you here and finally chat. Oh, my pleasure to be here. So I think that I did a little intro beforehand. So listeners know a little bit about you. But can you share for everyone just wherever you want to take it, who you are, what's your background, how you started on your path to a minimalist lifestyle? Just let us have it all. 
Oh boy, that's a lot. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, my name is Sharon. I'm a journalist by trade and I'm a writer of the Instagram feed, The Mom Renovation. I am a former full-time New York City commuter mom who lives out in New Jersey and I'm currently a stay-at-home mom and mother of two. I have a daughter who's six and a son who's 11 and I kind of consider myself to be minimalish um, and just intentionalism and essentialism and just really a with the idea of reducing stress for overwhelmed moms by reducing clutter and crazy in our homes. So I guess I started with the mom renovation out of a desire to write material that would speak to the busy mom that I was when I was spinning my wheels. And women who are looking to streamline their space and decrease their stress caused by their home environment and also to inspire them with great decor. We just went through a major townhouse renovation and I love sharing links to other designers who utilize their space in a smart way and uh, spark ideas for other people who are about to take that journey. Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of fascinated about how we can actually decrease our stress by changing up our environment. Yeah, that's so interesting. You said so much there that I want to dive into. But so when did you start this whole minimalist lifestyle? How long have you been doing this? Or minimal-ish, as you said. Okay. So ironically, <laughs> I started out in women's magazines. I was a fashion and beauty reporter, and I'm still inspired by that art, but not by the idea of collecting things in perpetuity without purpose. So I, I kind of changed gears. I became an admin who worked on corporate sites and a technical editor for an engineering firm. But I still truly enjoy writing in my own voice, and I've been delving into the principles of minimalism for a long time, and then after I became engrossed in the home renovation project, I just couldn't not write anymore. But um, if you're asking when my journey started, kind of just <laughs> imagine like a full-time New York City commuter mom on the bus, uh, burnt on all ends because I just dropped my kid off morning daycare at 7 a.m. and was worried he couldn't put his coat on fast enough, you know, and running back home to him at six and doing all the things around the house. And I just wanted like a few precious minutes to spend enjoying him. And instead they were taken up by doing all the things, right? I mean, there's the endless laundry and the prepping meals for the next day and the picking up the toys. And when you're in a minute to minute situation like that and the kid wants to do something like paint, it throws you into a tailspin. Like, oh God, now I'm going to have to lay it out, clean it up. I don't have time for that with everything right. else. And like something had to give. I was a machine and I could see how stressed I was. I was rushing his bath and like to myself, I'm like saying, I'm killing his joy. I'm killing his joy. Like Aww. something, something had to give, like there yeah. had to be another way. So on my commute, Back in, this must have been like 2009, I started reading blogs about this idea of minimalism. Podcasts weren't really a thing yet, you know, but just the idea of finding peace in less to maintain and the idea of focusing on what was most important and letting some of the other ideas and material goods fall away. Uh, the idea of not having to do like all the things, because that's my personality, mm -hmm. I I liked working. I wanted to be both the working mom and the non-working mom. And I still feel like I look at things from the working mom perspective first, even though I'm home. So I started reading people who 
brought this concept into popularity. You know, Joshua Becker of Becoming Minimalist and Courtney Carver of Be More With Less and Leo Babautovs and Habits, Francine J. And I feel like recently there's been a wave of new people. I mean, I love the minimalists and, you know, Desiree Andres and all these other newbies too. But I feel like those people were like the people who made me feel like there was a way out of this mire mm. and muck. So I started to institute some of their ideas and get rid of as much as I could that didn't align with our priorities. So for people who aren't familiar with the general idea, you know, Joshua Becker's famous quote is that, you know, minimal, minimalism is the intentional promotion of the things we most value and the removal of anything that distracts us from it. And you know, the idea that the first step in crafting the life you want is to get rid of everything you don't. Mm. So I made my son a capsule wardrobe and I stopped buying all like the maybe stuff and only bought the slam dunks. And I became more intentional about like his toy wish list and asked people to only buy off that because those are the things we would truly use and benefit. It wouldn't just add to like a pile up in the side of his, you know, playpen. And I think that's how it all started. Wow. So you would really say then once you started to really kind of remove things or edit more, how did you mention being so busy and stressed? So did that really help to alleviate that? Did you notice kind of instantaneously or did it take a while? I think the idea started to settle with me and it just felt like when you remove things that if sometimes just feels like a little bit of weight is lifted off. I mean, if you've got 8 million toys around and you see that they're only playing with a few and you get rid of the, you start to edit. Um, first of all, the kids play better because studies have shown that when there are fewer toys, they also get visually overwhelmed and they play longer and better. Uh, but it's also just less overwhelming to the home environment because you're not looking at a pile of crap saying, oh my God, I can't believe I have to clean all this up because all the little pieces went everywhere. Right. So it's still, I mean, you obviously still had the school drop off and the bath time and tidying here and there and the meal prepping. I mean, none of those things went away. Right. But some of them maybe were just easier or you didn't, like you said, have all of that extra stuff to do. So you had more time for the things that you really valued. Right. And I mean, and I haven't perfected this and I don't really think anyone has. There are there are days when you could walk into this house and be like, she calls herself animal. Like, no way. Right. But the thing is, it can be tidied easily and with less stress. And I think it's a concept that just evolves over time and that's can benefit every family, but not always in the same way. Yeah. For sure. I like the way you said minimal-ish Yeah, because I kind of use that as well with my brand of healthy-ish or yeah, pretty much I'll just say, you know, I believe in a healthy-ish lifestyle, the 80-20 or whatever. I mean, you don't have to right. be perfect all the time and perfection often hinders you, I think, from reaching any goal right? because then it just seems daunting and, you know, I'm never going to be perfect. So why even start? Um, So it's much easier to just kind of throw in the towel. to abandon the all or nothing mentality. Exactly. So I really like that. And I'd never heard the words intentionalism or essentialism, but I think that's another cool way to think about it. When Sometimes when I see minimalism, I don't know, I'm kind of triggered by it in a way, maybe because I do feel 
that it's sort of this perfect idyllic life to lead or I picture a tiny house or something. I don't know where you have. I I don't think that's uncommon. I don't think a lot of people know what to make of it. I mean, initially it was like a style of architecture or design and, and, you know, this is the, the definition of minimalism is evolving and I don't think there is one set particular way to think about it, but I think that there are definitely concepts that can benefit everybody universally. And one of them is just being very intentional. I'll see how many times I can say the word intentional yeah. <laughs> on, your, on your podcast. But I think that you know, if you're mindful about what you're bringing in, that can only help because it makes less work for you. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And I know that I mean, the reason I wanted to have you on is I identify a lot with this. I think I initially connected with you. I kind of forget. It was over a year ago or maybe a year yes. and a half ago. I don't even know. <laughs> we were both newbies uh, too. I know. You were one of my first close Instagram friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think also we had the connection because I was living in New York City at the time. Right. And last night, actually, my husband and I were going to bed and I was talking about how you were coming on and I was saying... I can't imagine at this point we've both kind of adopted this lifestyle and it's become more natural. Just like with anything, it becomes more of a habit. But, and you know, obviously what that means for us, I wouldn't say we're perfect minimalists, you know, by any means, but we're used to kind of editing frequently and being more intentional about stuff we bring in. Right. Um, But I was saying, just kind of jokingly, we don't have kids yet, but I was saying, watch, we're going to have kids that are these hoarders and they're not going to want to get rid of anything and it's going to drive I have one that's one way and one that's the other. We can get to that later. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think – so I think I had remembered seeing that somewhere and I said, you know, that happened to Sharon. She has one kid who is – One's a collector and one's an editor. Yeah. But then as we were talking, both of us realized we were kind of that way as Mm -hmm. kids. I mean, I think – as a kid, it's different too because you have that trophy or really kind of special little trinkets that you can call your own and keep in your room. Right. But I would say for me, I was almost forced into the lifestyle without even choosing it, just living in tiny shoe boxes in New York City for 12 years. I mean, well, I think it can certainly, I mean, I think we have to abandon the idea of perfect. I think in many ways, some people are minimalist in certain areas of their life and not in others. And you know, I think that it's an acquired skill and mm-hmm. practice allows you to edit things more efficiently over time. I mean, here, we live in northern New Jersey, okay? This is the land of like housewives of New Jersey, not right, the land right. of minimalism, right? It's not like a popular mode of thinking when you're in an area that's like you're in a position to afford material things and you're actively choosing not to buy them because they don't hold value for you. And I think in that way, that's how I'm a minimalist. I mean, I think it's in the way I'm mindful and intentional about what we choose to bring into our home and what we spend our money on. And now there are things we're not monetarily minimal about. We spend a lot on the home renovation, but we did it with the intention of creating a space that will function optimally for our family for many years. And, you know, we're choosing to stay in our townhouse and make it lovely because as a family of four, we personally don't require more space than that. So maybe mm. we're minimal in that regard. You know, we we use every room, but we don't feel crowded. Um, it's just, you know, creating a functional space. I think the world of interiors and minimalism go hand in hand so much more than people think. Mm. Um, 
So I guess, you know, we spend money on family experiences. We spend money on travel. We want to enjoy these times. You never know how life changes over the years. So we like to spend money on memories and we choose not to spend it on as many material things or things that wouldn't get a ton of use by the kids. I think even the kids have been have gotten good at spotting wasteful buys, you know, realizing they might only like it for five minutes. Right. That's so cool. I think everything you're saying, it just, you know, because my mind's always in nutrition and health, but it just goes back to, I'm thinking you teach kids or you educate yourself on just turning packages over and reading labels. And then kids start to learn, oh, there's sugar in this or whatever, spotting different ingredients. So I think it's the same type of thing of just this intentionality. And again, I just, I like that word because I almost minimalism to me, I don't know if this, if you associate with this, but it almost comes from a place of lack or a lack mindset, or maybe people would assume you're just having to get rid of everything or again, I don't know. I think that word just has some triggers, but I think everybody could probably get on board with intentionalism. I think that there are different ends of the spectrum. I think you will find people online who call themselves minimalists and walk around with a backpack and they own 13 things. And exactly, then, yeah. you know, there are, <laughs> then there are just people who kind of take the concepts of, you know, the idea of really questioning um, things and how they add to our lives, which I feel is, is kind of where we land. Right. And that's yeah, that's where we land as well. Yeah. I mean, there is an undeniable connection between minimalism and health too. I mean, take two scenarios. Like you come home from work, you walk into your home, it's clutter piled to the ceiling and like you need to make dinner, but there's piles all over the countertop. And like, what does that do to your emotional state? Um, whereas if you come home and things have a home and there's stuff, but it's stored, but you know where to find it and your counters are disinfected and they're ready for the next activity, then, you know, you're not as stressed. You're not as anxious. You know, you're you're not in this like flight or fight navigating around the chaos mode. Right. It's almost more enjoyable. I mean, meal prep is a thing. It happens to us all. You know, we have to figure out how to navigate that, but it's going to be much more enjoyable if there's not, like you said, piles all over or stuff. Right. If I don't have to clear the pile of paper. And I mean, I'm the first to admit I'm nicer to my kids, like without even realizing it. My tone and my body language is different. I'm not perfect at it, but I'm conscious of it. You know, they're, they're coming home from this loud environment of school. And if they're entering a home environment that also kind of feels, loud, then it's hard for them to decompress, you know? Definitely. And I think also the stress aspect in terms of, I mean, that's one of the biggest issues when it comes to health these days, right? The chronic stress. So already we're all going to have acute stress at work or with family or whatever. But if you're coming home to a house that's stressful feeling as well, that's really where you can get into the dangerous chronic stress area, right? Certainly. I mean, we are all living like an efficiency race, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think when we can minimize and be more mindful, it helps to combat that. 
I mean, there's been studies. There was a study in UCLA, you know, about a decade ago that showed that women who perceive their homes to be cluttered actually have unhealthy patterns of cortisol levels. Mm. And, you know, that they, they've done studies that, you know, when an individual is surrounded by organized versus disorganized environments, Princeton uh, had found that subjects were, you know, less irritable and easily distracted if their environment was clutter-free. Hmm. I mean, it there, makes sense. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. There, there's, um, there's even been studies that say that uh, that reveal a link between hoarding and obesity, and noting that people with cluttered homes are also more likely to not being not taking care of their health. Right. So, um, and I think this is a whole other ball of wax that we could talk about another time, but I think that there is a, a rise in digital clutter that we haven't even gotten to as a society yet to fully recognizing. I mean, this is the first generation that's growing up staring at screens with parents who are also staring at screens and they're going, mom, mom look at this mom, you know? So like it's our emotional health and their emotional health that's at stake, not just our homes. We need to edit. Right. Well, and I think once you get into this idea of being more intentional, you can start somewhere. Again, you're not aiming for perfection, but then I think wherever your entry point is to just having a healthier lifestyle, which I would call this, it overflows. It starts to overflow into other areas as well. Definitely. I know for me, again, I think this was just because of living in New York City, I couldn't fit a bunch of stuff in my kitchen. But I actually made the connection recently that I think I've always been intentional about, I used to have a crock pot, but it kind of died. So we didn't move it when we moved to California. But uh, I've never had an instant pot. I've never had an air fryer. Um you know, we kind of have been very intentional about what we keep in our kitchen. And I think that right. has actually helped me to meal prep more because I don't have, it's that idea of decision fatigue where you have right. so many gadgets. It's like, what do I use tonight? Crockpot, right. the Instapot, the other thing. And really I've gotten used to using a sheet pan, a cast iron skillet, maybe a ceramic nonstick skillet. Um, I mean, bare, I, we, we don't cook with much. And right. I think it really helps you to see that you don't need all the gadgets and it's almost liberating not to have them, which right. seems counterintuitive, but yeah. But for me, I, I just feel very overwhelmed in the kitchen to begin with. I've never called well, myself. When you have less, you get more creative with what you've got. Right. Exactly. It's that the must same be way it. with kids and toys. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, not that there's anything wrong with having those things. And Absolutely somebody not. else's intentionality might say, for me, an instant pot works, right? So it's certainly just like I don't believe in one size fits all diets or, you know, you said there are certain principles that I think we can all follow from minimalism. And I think the same is true for health, mm -hmm. but it's unique for every person. Um, but yeah, just for me, I thought that was kind of an interesting realization I had the other day of even our drawer of spatulas and spoons and things. We don't have that many items in there. Right. And then before we order a new one, we kind of pause and think, do we really need that? 
So when we did our home renovation, we moved every single thing that was in our kitchen since it was completely gutted out to our garage. And I've still only moved about half of it back in. My garage still looks a little like Crate and Barrel. And (laughs) and the truth of the matter is I probably don't need a lot of what I haven't moved back in yet. Right. So I'm going to take a real critical look at those things and, and donate what I don't think that we will make good enough use out of because it makes what's left less overwhelming. Right. And then you keep, I've seen your beautiful new kitchen, but it has all these clean lines and you just kind of maintain that aesthetic right? without bringing all the stuff back in, right? Because you can do a renovation, but then if you bring back in all the same clutter and junk, that it's kind of ruins almost all of the beautiful changes you made. Right. And, you know, we can talk about some, you know, tricks on how to get started later, but one of them, uh, the pretend you're moving trick is fantastic. Because, okay, let's hear about that right now. Well, you know, I mean, and I know the minimalists have spoken about this in the past, the idea of just boxing everything up and taking out what you're actively using. And if it doesn't come out of the box within a certain allotted period of time, that's a good indication to you that you probably don't need it. Oh, that's a cool idea. So you can do it just a few drawers at a time, let's say, in the kitchen? or Yeah, certainly. I mean, it doesn't have to be a full-on condo. Right. You know, change your life in one fell swoop situation. You know, this this is a process for anybody. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, your house doesn't get cluttered in one day and it doesn't get decluttered in one day either. Mm -hmm. Unless you're on the Marie Kondo show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Which is overwhelming. Unless you have a full crew, right? (laughs) Also very gratifying. I mean, I definitely binged that show and thought it was fascinating, but also felt for those people. I mean, that was a lot. So I think, again, she's helped to bring awareness to this idea of intentionality and minimalism, but maybe some people have seen that and then been completely turned off to it because... Right. I mean, you don't want to be intimidated by it because the truth is that there's no rule to this. You can modify it in any way that works for you. Right. I know another thing just that I like that you do that if we're talking about tricks right now is I've noted or I think you have your kids when they want to buy something, maybe they'll put it in their Amazon wish list and then revisit it a week or two later and decide, is that something I still want? Is that true? Yeah, this is a great trick. So my kids, my my daughter's a gimme machine, much like a lot of other six-year-olds, yeah. right? She wants everything she sees on commercials or, you know, we go to a store to pick something up and it's like, oh, let's walk down the toilet. I love this. I love this. I love this. So what we do is I take a picture of her with the toy, hold it up. We'll put it on your wish list. And then when I get home, anything that I think that she will truly remember, um, I will put on like an Amazon safe, you know, wish list. And that's something that we will revisit before a birthday or before holidays. Um, so do you still like these things? Yes, no, yes, no. And then I have a built-in list to share with family and friends that are things that I know she's going to be excited about. So she's not getting random things that just end up immediately being clutter that were never even opened. That's so cool. So what about Do you do a type of thing? Because I know part of it is being intentional about what you bring in, but then part of it is also editing out the old. So how do you manage that? Do you for yourself and for your kids? 
Okay. So, well, for me, I, I'm currently doing that 1000 declutter oh, challenge. Yeah. Talk about that. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, I kind of like, it's, it's fun sometimes if you set up a game for yourself, you know, it, it challenges you to push yourself maybe a little more, find a few more things than you might otherwise, you know, it doesn't really matter how far you get along. If you complete it. You don't have to put that kind of pressure on yourself. It just gets you to see things and evaluate them. Like, can this be a check mark? You know, right. it changes your thinking to be more intentional. The the minimalists also do something called the men's game where, you know, maybe on the first day of the month, you try to get rid of one thing. And on the second day of the month, you try to get rid of two things. So that's also a way to turn it into kind of a game yeah. And for people who didn't see, so the first one you're talking about, there's a thousand squares just on this rectangular grid. And every time you get rid of something, you either check a box or you shade it, right? Right. It kind of gives you the satisfaction of like checking something off a to-do list, right? So so there's kind of like that little bit of like positive reinforcement. And you also walk around your house with different eyes. Yeah, which I think is the ultimate goal. Totally. And you can start with one area. I mean, start with the area that stresses you out most. If you feel like you can never find anything in your closet in the morning that you love, then maybe you want to try like what Courtney Carver does, the Project 333 challenge where you know, 33 items or last for three months, or, you know, maybe you want to start purging there. Or if you're like most moms and it's the toys, spend time with the kids, watch what gets used, watch what doesn't get used. And, you know, try removing those and kind of putting them in a purgatory area for a while, see if the child asks for them, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I've also heard in the closet, if you turn your hangers around, yeah, a lot of people like to do that too. I don't know where that originated, maybe Peter Walsh, but um, uh, you know, it's an organizing trick certainly that if you start with all your hangers backwards and if you use them, you turn the hanger forwards and after a period of time, if it's still backwards, um, then it's a visual reminder that you're not really using that item. Probably good to do seasonally, right? So you don't just get rid of all the winter stuff and then Absolutely. have nothing to wear. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that would be bad, especially on the East Coast. Right. So, but I think the game idea too, or making for adults is fun, but especially for kids, I can see giving a kid one of those grids and just saying, let's have the goal by the end of the month. Maybe not a thousand, but maybe giving them a hundred of just, can you find a hundred little things in your room by the end of the month to right. get to donate um, right. would be a cool goal and making it more of a family thing. And then I, I think from being a teacher, anytime kids have ownership over something, they're much more likely to buy into it. Right. I, I think you have to play to your family's personalities too. I mean, my my son, I, I'm lucky I had started adopting this idea kind of really early. So I'm not married to a clutter bug. My kids were raised with this kind of general mentality. And my son is absolutely a minimalist by nature. Like, my daughter is not. So we work around that gently. Like if I gave him a thing and was like, hey, let's see if we can get rid of 20 things. He'd be like, no problem. I'll be back in five minutes, you know? And she, and she would be like, what? Like, I don't have anything I want to get rid of, you know, which I think is more typical. So, I mean, you can't force another family member into a different mode of thinking. You can only model it and wait for them to say like, hey, mom, I want to redecorate my room. And so I'm going to get rid of some of these stuffed animals because they don't work with the new color scheme. And then like I swoop in with a bag like a thief, 
<laughs> with like three seconds to escape the building. Because like, I know by her editing, she's creating a more navigable space for herself, but like it has to come from her. Definitely. And I think, I don't know if this is true or not, but it, going back to what you were talking about at the beginning of being a mom and coming home and just seeing all the clutter, your kids' rooms are separate from the common areas. Right. So I can imagine it might stress you out a little bit less if their stuff is kind of, kind of, she can do her thing in her room. Right. Right. Because it's not going to be the first thing you see when you walk in and just kind of all over the place. Yeah. It's not where we spend the bulk of our time. Right. So what would you say, or any other games or tricks you have? Or, I mean, that was a lot you just shared, but. I would say start with an area that you don't have an emotional attachment to. So, Hmm. you know, the bathroom, kitchen appliances you don't use. Uh, when we were renovating, I gave away the proverbial fondue pot, mm. which was like, I was like, it's William Sonoma and I never used it. Right. But sometimes you're coming to terms with the fact that like, okay, I'm not going to be the person who makes fondue or does this craft or participates in this activity with all this equipment again. And so, you know, like, I think that's why a lot of people procrastinate getting rid of things is because there's, there's an argument that, you know, you're making peace with, you know, you're the person you are now and not the person you were mm-hmm. then or the person that you wish you were, or, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. When we got married, we, again, we're living in New York City, but we specifically didn't create a registry for things and we just registered on Honey Fund. Have you heard of that? Uh, for the honeymoon? Yeah. So people give awesome. money for the, yeah, they give money for experiences on the honeymoon, but really it all just goes into a into your bank account. So yes, you use some of it for the honeymoon, but hopefully you don't use all of it on the honeymoon. But then it's cool because when we moved, we then had this money to invest in new furniture and different things that we actually needed instead of, you know, that'd be so nice at the time to have a fun fondue pot, but I guarantee I would use it (laughs) maybe once. But then I think there's also the emotional attachment of, oh, you know, aunt so-and-so gave this to me and I feel bad. Um, And that's kind of a cool thing for people to have that option now. I think getting married that you don't have to necessarily get all the things. You can just get money and buy the things when you need them. Right. I mean, things have never been more accessible than they are now. And I think every, I think you raise an interesting point also that like everybody has different emotional attachments. So there are things that are going to be easier for some people to get rid of than other people. Um, Like, before I knew it was a thing, um, uh, I let go of my wedding dress shortly after we got married. A lot of my friends had them preserved and had them under their beds. And I, I donated it to a shop in the city that resold it. And they donated the money to buying books for underprivileged city schools. And oh. I thought that sounded great. I knew I had it in the pictures. <laughs> I was, you know, I, I have my husband. I knew that if I ever had a daughter like me, which I do, she would want to express herself in her way. And I never wanted to kind of foist my dress on her, you know? So I, I I have never felt remorse over letting it go, whereas some other people are very emotional about their dresses. So, you know, I think it's an individual journey. Real quick, I want to take a break from the episode to share one of my favorite resources with you. One of the BS messages floating around out there is that eating healthy costs too much. Honestly, I used to believe this myself. That is, until I discovered thrivemarket.com. 
Thrive Market is an online grocery platform that's essentially Costco meets Trader Joe's meets Whole Foods. I love that I can shop on their mobile app and have all of my favorite groceries, everything from natural wine to 100% grass-fed beef to nutritious crackers, everything delivered right to my door. Last year, I saved over $1,000 shopping on Thrive. I honestly can't think of one reason not to love it. To save a percentage off your first order and see my full shopping list, click through the links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. What other, aside from the games, what other kind of big takeaways have you had? If somebody's just hearing this and they're going to start slowly decluttering, what would be some words for those people? Well, you know, again, realize realize you didn't collect your clutter in a day. You're not going to be free of it in a day. It's a process. Even for those of us who have been doing it for a decade, it gets easier, but areas need to be continually reviewed. Things are always coming into your house. You know, you can try a one in, one out or a one in, two out. You know, you could start with one area, um, you know, and don't try to take all your family members with you with this grand new idea. Just kind of like start living it yourself. And as it becomes more comfortable, you will see that it will start to be evidenced in other areas of your life and other members of your family naturally. Right. Again, back to the whole nutrition thing. Same thing with that, right? You just all of a sudden start forcing everybody to eat a certain way. No. There's going to be a lot of resistance. There's, I mean, there's no other way to, once you get clear headed and I think taking things out of your home helps you to, you know, get more into the state of flow and think in a more linear way. And, you know, things start to change that you don't even realize have a relation, like your diet, your relationships, your finances, you know, you find things, you you spend less, you realize you don't need things, you spend less. I've finally been able to give up processed foods and sugar, which for a baker and confessed chocoholic is nothing less than totally shocking. So... <laughs> If you can do it, anyone can. This is certainly true. So, but, you know, it's because I feel like since there's less happening, I can recognize the stress response and I treat it differently. And, you know, there's just more time to make different choices. That's really interesting. I'm curious, do you do anything unique around the holidays in terms of for yourself or do your kids do anything like asking for gift cards or experiences or what do you, how do you navigate that? Well, for the gift from my husband and I is we usually take them on some kind of trip. So we generally are not the thing people. And um, I think regardless of even what holiday you celebrate, you can divide it up in a way where they're not getting a ton of excess. So my kids, I mean, Val, she, she still wants the things, right? right so right. Um, she'll get a thing from this, this gift is brought to you by grandma and grandpa. And this gift is brought to you by your aunt and uncle. And so, you know, she's getting one thing from this family member, that family member, Um you know, and we do the same rather than five things from each family member. Oh, that's interesting. What would you say, or is there any kind of greatest benefit you'd say you've had of minimalism? I've never been one 
to keep up with the Joneses, you know, and I, I, you know, the house I designed for my own personal enjoyment and I never bought the right bag or dressed up to drop off my kid at preschool. Like I was just never that person. I'm more like that. How do you like me now variety? Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's made me even more confident in that regard. Like, I love that it's becoming a movement. People are becoming more conscious of all the ways it can help them, like both in their home environment and psychologically. And it's just like so much easier to design a less stressful life than we think. And this is such an easy first step to get there. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. What is your current challenge? I mean, I know you're doing that 1000 thing, the little chart, but what are you decluttering right now? Or what area are you focusing on? You know, I feel like we're in a state where we're settling back in after the renovation. And so whichever room I'm attacking, I just try to purge as many things as possible in that area. We are starting to, since we had uh, turned our basement into a pseudo apartment since our whole main floor was affected. We are now in the process of converting that back into a basement. And now my daughter was older than when we originally put together her playroom. So we're taking some stuff out. We're thinking, you know, if there's anything we could add that she would truly use more. Um, she got a, a big dollhouse. That was her big ask for the holidays. So that's down there now. And we are reconfiguring like the main space fr- back into a play area for, you know, yeah. my son's going to middle school next year. I can't believe it. But, you know, there's a ping pong table that we're putting together. So, you know, it's just making your space work as efficiently for you in your current stage of life as you can. Spaces can change over time. You know, her playroom won't be a playroom forever. Maybe someday it will be a guest room or an exercise room or an office. Just, you had asked me about like uh, in, in the notes about the unexpected experiences with minimalism. And one of the things that I thought of back in the day, I bet you've experienced this to some degree too, and most listeners have also. Have you ever used something up and been like, yeah, oh, I used that up? Literally <laughs> like, every it's single like a day. feeling of accomplishment. Right. So when I when I left like the beauty industry, right, and I was I was working at the magazine and my doorman was like, you have a box? And I'm like, yeah, it's from me. And like I shipped, like, you know, I was like, I came out with like the amount of shampoo and conditioner. It was not healthy, right? right? And when I would use something up, I would throw a party. Yeah. It wasn't even that I was enjoying the things. It was like they became a to-do list for my toiletry closet. Right, right. Right? It was like everything I could let go of was like a burden off my back. So if you feel that way when you some use something up, like that's a clue that... Yeah. I don't know what that means for us because it literally happens with every single thing, but then we have to buy a new, cause we don't keep a lot of extra stuff on hand. So, right. I mean, the peanut butter has gone and we're both like, yeah, we finished it. But then like, we, well, well, now we need it's more one thing butter. if you have like one backup peanut butter, totally, I mean, totally. hold the backup peanut butter, you buy one more backup peanut butter. But when you've yeah. got 12 shampoo bottles in your shower competing for your attention, you've got nowhere to stand. Right. <laughs> Definitely. And I think speaking to the backups, we don't really need as many backups anymore either because things can be delivered at your door. Right. You can get things in two hours or less. So I think maybe that had a time and place or it definitely did years ago, but right. That that's another kind of cool thing about modern society is that the accessibility has grown. I guess a blessing and a curse, right? Right. Right. <laughs> it could go either way. 
Yeah, I think the minimalists uh, have some kind of saying like if you can replace it and if it would cost less than 20 bucks or less than 20 minutes to replace, you don't need to keep it around. Oh, there's so many good minimalist nuggets. Yeah, lots of good takeaways from from the experts. I hardly am. I'm just on this journey myself. Well, no, but I think that also makes you more relatable because anytime somebody becomes that big of an expert, it almost feels to me daunting to kind of get to the place where they are. And sure, they're inspirational, but I think you also bring a really cool perspective being a mother and you kind of sift through all of it and bring the most practical ideas to your Instagram page and the most accessible ones, I would say. Thank you. I truly appreciate that. You're actually the first guest I'm going to ask this, but every other guest from now on, I'm going to ask at the end, um, what would you say investing in your health means to you? Okay. Well, I... I guess there would be all the obvious things like, right, trying to get enough sleep, trying to feed yourself right, trying to work out once in a while, which I could certainly improve upon. Um, We all could. (laughs) But I would also say in regard to all those things, if you are decluttering and you are reducing your other responsibilities, you have more time to sleep more soundly. You have more time to cook something that might be a bit healthier and, you know, you have more time to get out and be more active and spend time with the people that matter. So I feel like there's there's a correlation there. Yeah, that's a really good point. What are some of, you mentioned the books earlier. If there's one book or account aside from your own, which we'll mention in a minute, but if, if somebody's really interested in reading more about minimalism, what would you say was kind of the life-changing book for you if there was one. Oh goodness just one I feel like or there could be more yeah there, there are so many I mean I would always point to the people who started it all I mean I think Jonathan Becker and Leah Babauta of Zen Habits and Courtney Carver are great to look to I think that um Desiree Andres has a great thing going on um, with her Minimalish podcast. Uh, I think that uh, Stephanie Sikora's book, Simplified, I read recently, and I thought that was really great. She comes from an interesting place. She used to have a medical background, and she would figure out how to make like surgical rooms run more efficiently. And then she switched into like home organization and streamlining and creating systems. So I think her background is really interesting. And that was a great book. Um, Essentialism and Atomic Habits. There's so many good ones. I've heard of that one, Atomic Habits. I think that's on my list. Yeah. Speaking of my newest favorite thing is creating an Amazon book list. And then I joined the library and it's revolutionized my life because instead of buying books, you can just request them and they'll send right. them from other branches. And I pretty much get any book I want within a week or two. Yeah, that's um, amazing. Yeah. And I mean, it just is the perfect situation. There's somehow no late fees and you can renew them as long as you want. I mean, it's it's like this utopia <laughs> right. of something I've discovered. So that's really eliminated a lot of the books because I used to buy all these books. So that's I, I love visiting the library with my kids too. I think it's such an underused, fantastic resource. I agree. I mean, I, I used to use it a lot as a kid. I would go with my parents, but I don't know, maybe when I moved into middle school or high school, when you had to buy books for school that you could write in or whatever, I stopped using it as much. But yeah, everybody should go to the library. It's Because I don't think that many people go anymore. So there's just... And, and what an easy way to declutter. I mean, your kid can have a full bookshelf for $0. And when they are done with that book, you right. can 
return it and get them a different one. I mean, there's not many places you can say that about. There aren't. And you can go back and get it again if you want, right? It's always going to be there. Right. So, I mean, so cool. Uh, So can you share where the best places are for listeners to find you? Sure. Um, I can be most easily found on Instagram at The Mom Renovation. And that also spills onto my Facebook page, The Mom Reno. And I I have a website. It's in the process of being updated. And that would be themomreno.com. Nice. Good. Congrats on the website. I know that's a big yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to just in the process of enrolling in actually in um, NAPO and absorbing as much design education as possible in hopes of launching maybe some kind of local business that could be an extra hand to, you know, busy moms who don't have time to spruce up their space and develop systems for streamlining and reducing stress in their homes themselves. So um, so stay tuned. Um, that's still in its beginning stages. That's amazing, though. That's really cool. And yeah, I mean, I love following your page and you do so much on your stories. And I just think it's really cool because you're always taking pictures of stuff you're getting rid of. And it's always just sparking ideas in me um, of ways that I can kind of declutter and be more intentional myself. So I would highly recommend a follow for anyone out there. I'm, I'm glad you feel there's takeaway there. I definitely do. Well, I really appreciate you being on here, Sharon. It was cool to have a unique guest that maybe people don't put two and two together between nutrition and health and minimalism. But I think at this point, you know, you can't really not make a case for it. I mean, it's really so, so connected. Yeah, it truly is. Well, really appreciate it. And I'll see you over on the gram. Okay. Sounds great. Good talking with you, Brooke. Well, that's all for today. Before the next episode drops, I'd love to chat with you one-on-one about the BS messages and methods currently holding you back. You deserve simple weight loss and sustainable wellness, so let's figure out how to make both happen. To book your free consultation, click through the link in the show notes. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Health Investment Podcast. See you next week. All content in this podcast was created for general informational purposes only by a non-physician. None of the content should serve as a substitute for professional medical advice, treatment, or diagnosis. Always consult a qualified health provider with any questions regarding a medical condition and before making changes to your diet, lifestyle, and or exercise programs. Do not disregard any professional medical advice you have received or postpone seeking such advice because of something you heard on this podcast.